Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. meeting is being recorded. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Julie Mulhern returns to the corner today to chat about her newest country club murder. Welcome back, Julie. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, you have an impressive 15 books in your country club murder series, and you're about to publish the 16th. So what's it called and what's it about? It is called Fire and Rain, and it is, um, you know, Allison has a really unfortunate habit of finding bodies, and um, in this book, the house across the street burns down, the house, excuse me, the house across the street from her burns down, and there's a body found in it, and everyone sort of assumes that it must be one of the neighbors, and it turns out it isn't, and Part of the mystery revolves around why in the world he was in the house and who murdered him. And it's been lots of fun to, to write. Now, you set your novels in the 1970s. And as much as it pains me to call a decade that I lived through historical, what makes the 70s an interesting time to set a series? You know, I picked the 1970s because I am really fascinated by decades where things changed for women. And in the 20th century, it was the 1920s and the 1970s. Um, You know, things that were sort of counterculture in the 1960s became mainstream in the 1970s. So you had everything from more sexual freedom, thanks to the birth control pills, to women actually Women had always worked, but they were getting increasing responsibility and maybe getting to levels of control in companies that they might not have achieved before. And on a micro level, I mean, it wasn't until 1974 that a woman could have a credit card on her own without having a male cosigner. I did not realize it was that late. Wow. And then you had things like the Equal Rights Amendment and the efforts to pass it. And then the efforts by women like Phyllis Schlafly not to pass it. So those were things to sort of think about from women's issues in the 1970s. And it's given me lots of fodder for sort of the background of my stories. And in addition to the women's rights issues that you mentioned, it was a a decade of of big uh, social uh, change. Does does some of that uh, social upheaval sort of work its way into into your mysteries? You know, every so often, um, usually, honestly, just mainly because I'm a woman, it seems like I, I gravitate to, towards those women's issues or issues that affect children. Um, I've included everything from trafficking to abuse to, can you name it, in my books with the idea of shining a light on what it was like in the 70s. And hopefully we can compare and think things are better today. And your, your, your series is a humorous mystery series. So how do you, how do you keep that humorous? You know, 
I think that so much of a good cozy mystery is character driven. And, um, you know, my characters seem to get themselves into scrapes that are funny. And if they don't, there's always an animal that's causing mayhem. <laughs> so <laughs> we love those animals in our mysteries. Uh, something, at least to me, about these mysteries uh, taking place in, in the world of the of the country club set kind of adds to that humor. Uh, it, it, probably because those always seem like the sort of people who would sort of puff up their chest and say, oh, that kind of thing would never happen here. Uh, mm-hmm. So how, how did you choose this world as a setting for your mysteries? I mean, is that, is that something that, that you thought about, that it's not the place where you'd expect something to happen? Well, you know, part of the charm of a cozy mystery is an insular setting, whether it is a, a small town mystery or um, something like Only Murders in the Building, where the action revolves around what's happening in an apartment building and um, country clubs then and now, but really then were kind of insular um, insular spots. So everybody knew everybody, everybody was into everybody's business. And that sounds a lot like a small town. Um, I was fortunate that I grew up at a country club. And so I felt like maybe I could be the guy behind the curtain and pull it back so everybody could see a little bit. And um, that's so you got country clubs and you got 1970s and they seem to go together pretty well. (laughs) Uh, Something that um, I always like about uh, your series and your promotion for it are the 1970s era ads that you find, some of which are beyond cringeworthy, those those Beditas ads with the the stalker serial killers looking at unclothed <laughs> women <laughs> come to mind. <laughs> where, where, yeah. where, do you, where do you find the, the advertisements from the 70s? You know, I actually have huge files now. and Some of them are on repeat, but and like right now I'm doing Easter bunnies from the 1970s. And let me tell you, those costumes were terrifying. But um, I... You know, for years now, when we're watching, my husband will watch baseball and go Royals, but I find it a little boring. So I will go and Google 1970s something and see what pops up. And usually there are funny advertisements. You can think of anything and funny advertisements will pop up. And some of the other ads that that you uh, post on Facebook that I like are some of the the 70s fashions. I mean, some of the, Mm -hmm. the fashions are truly eye-popping. So what's what's one 70s fashion trend that you really hope no vintage or retro fashion enthusiast will ever resurrect? You know, the thing, as a child of the 70s, the thing that I desperately wanted and begged for was rainbow socks with the individual things for the toes. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. And I got them and I hated them because I figured out that I couldn't stand to have things between my toes. So, um, but they're still available, so go figure. <laughs> um, you know, some of the stuff from the 70s, I think that technology and fabric has come a long, long way. Um, I, not too long ago, went down to a vintage store here in Kansas City and bought a 70s outfit for something that I'm going to be doing later this spring. And it's 100% polyester, as you would expect, with the big old collar and whatnot. And I was like, you would die 
if you wore this in the summertime. There's no breathability. It's just like putting plastic on your body. So I thank God for new fabrics. Um, and, you know, people make huge fun of fashion in the 70s. But I will say, and I truly mean this, there's some truly fabulous fashion in the 1970s that is still affecting what we wear today. I mean, Diane von, Diane von Furstenberg came up with a wrap dress in the 1970s. Halston was draping fabric to great effect in the 1970s, and his dresses were absolutely gorgeous. Um, Missoni first really came to prominence in the 1970s with those wonderful Bargello fabrics. So, I mean, there was, yes, it was definitely bad, bad, awful, please don't do it again stuff. But then there was some really great stuff too. I mean, I just got done watching Daisy Jones and the Six and um, it was kind of fun seeing like the 70s fashion in that. And there were some characters where I was like, yeah, I'd wear that today. I mean, the, the drummer had great clothes. So, <laughs> and, and I admit I did uh, save up some pennies and uh, caught a clearance sale and bought one of uh, Dan von Furstenberg's wrap dresses. So um. they're the best and they're so flattering and they never go out of style. Uh, the, uh, another thing that um, I guess, you know, a lot of people don't think of going in and out of style is, is food, you know, Clothes surely go out of style. The, the shag carpeted bathrooms and some of the ads mm -hmm. that you featured have fortunately gone out of style and hopefully stay out of style because some of those were really mm -hmm. frightening. Uh, but a lot of the food that you uh, feature in those ads has gone out of style. It was just a lot of gelatin based food that you don't really uh, see anymore. So the, the actually the history of gelatin is sort of interesting in that it, having a gelatin based dessert was in the early 20th century was a mark of wealth. And then all of a sudden they had um, gelatin available in stores. And so, um, you know, women who are at home cooking for their families could actually serve it. So you had generations of women in the seventies who, whose mothers had cooked with gelatin and all of a sudden there were convenience foods, but, you couldn't just do that. You had to do a little more. So you had to shred carrots and pineapple into your lime jello. And as a, as a kid who didn't like foods to touch or mix, it was my own personal nightmare. So if you had, so if you could only have one food on a desert Island, the gelatin based foods or those strange hot dog trees that you sometimes oh post. I would go with the trees just for the protein. There you go. <laughs> have, have you ever tried any of those recipes in the in the modern era? I have not. Um, I don't really love hot dogs and I definitely don't like jello. So <laughs> but there were a lot of them and you know going through like the Weight Watchers recipe cards. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you would have like your own special, it was almost like for an index card and they would send you cards oh, yeah. every month. Yeah. And, and they, they were like numbered and it, it, the, the recipes on there are so appalling that it boggles the mind. But something else that I, I find interesting um, uh, about your, your books is the, are the characters' names, you know, especially for folks writing historical fiction, it's it's not enough just to pick a name that readers will remember. 
um, you know, because everybody can't be named Mary um, or Bob. Um, you have to pick one that fits the character, but you also have to get one that that fits the time period that you're you're writing in. So, how do you find names that fit your characters? Um, I actually have been known to go through old social registers, and it works pretty well. And how did you choose the name Anarchy? Um. I wanted his name to be, especially in the early books, Anarchy is such a rule follower. Rule, I mean, he's a policeman and he follows the rules and the rules are absolutely sacrosanct. And I wanted his name to be the exact opposite of that. So it's a great character name and, and it actually has one of those sort of 70s cop movie vibes yeah you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> just picture the you know 70s era graphics flashing across the screen mm-hmm. yeah. and you know it was so fun I mean if you think about 70s era cop shows and I think this is hysterical you had, you had Kojak you had Barney Miller you had um the Rockford Files you had I could go on and on and on I mean and then the one show with a female cop policewoman no name. Oh. You know, and the only way it could have been worse if they called her police girl. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, and she didn't really like go out and solve murders. She went undercover in like strip clubs. And I mean, yeah. it was. <laughs> that was, that was Angie Dickinson, right? It was Angie Dickinson. Oh. And it was Pepper, Pepper Anderson. Wow. You're right. Oh yeah. And she has kind of a silly name. I mean, Pepper versus Kojak. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'd never even, because I, I admit I watched them all. Um, Columbo too. But you know, yeah. you're right. I never noticed that she didn't get her name in the title. Um, and she has kind of a, a silly first name that sort of makes her sound like a fifth grader instead of a police mm-hmm. woman. Wow. <laughs> so the, the um, and how do you, I mean, that's, that's, you were talking about, um, you know, women's rights and, and how they they influence your you know, your books and so how do you how do you notice or maybe I should say do you notice things like that and then deliberately kind of shine a light on on them in your books or is it more that you know you're writing the book and you're doing some research and you and something like that jumps out at you and then you sort of more consciously incorporate it into your book after outlined, that? it depends on how well I've outlined. Uh, <laughs> sometimes the women's issue informs the murder. I mean, whether it's, and and sometimes it's there for like comic relief almost. Um, I can't even remember which book it is, but there's one book where Ellison's mother insists that she help underwrite a luncheon and buy a table. And Ellison buys a table at this luncheon and um, it turns out that Phyllis Schlafly was speaking at the luncheon, and Ellison didn't know that when she bought the table. Meanwhile, her daughter is out front protesting because <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly was actively, you know, trying to make sure that the Equal Rights Amendment didn't pass. So, and of course, Grace gets arrested. So, it, it, you know, it, I used it to um, not only to shine a light on the Equal Rights Amendment and why it was important to, and, and maybe potentially why it's still important and um, but also throw some humor in there. Now you also write a more suspense themed uh, series, The Poppy Fields Adventures. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you decide which series is going to get the next book? I mean, do you, do you alternate I between do the two? I do better when I alternate. 
I mean, I can't, I find that I stay fresher with the country club murders if I write another book in between. And I've um, been, it's usually poppy. Um, I've written a 1920s mystery that um, is actually on submission right now. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, after I, you know, next up is probably another poppy. So. Um, and what's next, I guess, if you can uh, envision that for ahead, what's next for, for Ellison and Anarchy and the, the country club set? Oh gosh, there'll be another book in October. And I really, it's kind of up in the air. I, most of my, most of my books after the first two, I've borrowed a 1970s song title. And sometimes I'm like, Ooh, that's the title. That's the one that I want. Um, there's a Neil Sedaka song called Bad Blood. And I'm thinking about that for a title, but sometimes I, I get the title before I get the story almost. And do you, you ever create a sort of 1970s era playlist to kind of give you inspiration while you're, while you're writing? You know, as serious, 70s on 7 is pretty much my playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and so for, for readers who want to take a, a trip back to the 70s, where can they buy a copy of, of Fire and Rain or any of your other country club murders? You know, um, they're available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple and Kobo. Um, there are links on my website, which is juliemulhernauthor.com. And um, they're also, all of my books are also available in audio, if you're an audio reader. Um, and did you, um, do you narrate them yourselves or did you? Oh, uh, heavens no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Callie Beaulieu, who is insanely, insanely talented, um, does my country club murders. And I just love her. And she really captures Ellison and the gang. She does a fabulous job. And when is uh, when is Fire and Rain available? October twenty, oh, October April twenty fifth. <laughs> and the um, the audio version is available at the same time. The audio will probably be out in June. June. I wish that I were a faster writer and I could get them to the audio people earlier, but I it, I am what I am. Let's <laughs> say <laughs> well, I'll give people time to buy the print book and read it, and then go listen to the audio version. Exactly. <laughs> And um, other than your website, uh, where can readers uh, contact with you and maybe see some more uh, uh, fun or creepy or creepy fun 70s ads? Well, um, you can certainly friend me on Facebook, which is where most of the ads show up. Um, Julie Mulhern. I have an author page also on Facebook, which I think is probably Julie Mulhern author. I'm on Instagram. And then Ellison recently got her own Instagram account, which is called Country Club Murders on Instagram. Well, that's all I have. Uh, So thank you very much for joining me again in the corner today, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you, Alexia. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Julie Mulhern, author of The Country Club Murders with her newest Fire and Rain available in April of 2023, uh, and the audio version available in June. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. 
Please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on. Follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast underscore cozy, on Facebook at The Cozy Corner Podcast, and the web at The Cozy Corner with AlexiaGordon.com. Follow me at Alexia Gordon Author on Instagram, AlexiaGordon.Writer on Facebook, and AlexiaGordon.Net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time, thanks for listening.